G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz. This is episode number 55 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thank you very much for joining in. Jared Harbrow is... uh, my very special guest tonight, uh, a lot of people that follow AFL would know Jared, um, plays for the Gold Coast Suns, uh, former Western Bulldog, which is my team, uh, we're going to talk a bit about that, but uh, really, Jared, uh, what an inspirational young man, He's, this is his 15th season playing AFL uh, consecutive, consecutively for two clubs, uh, he was one of the first uh, inaugural members of the Gold Coast, Gold Coast Suns and he's been there ever since, so longest standing member um, from the original team in 2011. Um, tremendous career, Indigenous guy, um, want to talk about his culture, you know, what it means to be an Aboriginal man and the trials and tribulations that he's sort of experienced uh, as a footballer with regards to that and how things have changed with regards to respect for his culture, which I'm really passionate about. So. We're going to dive deep into that, into his footy career, um, his upbringing in, in Cairns and Maroopna, where I sort of lived for quite a while, and um, a few people would know uh, Jared from, from Maroopna in Country Vic, strong uh, footballing community, and uh, yeah, just how Jared actually weaved his way into the AFL coming from Cairns, which is fairly strong with regards to footy, but there's also influence with, influence with regards to uh, rugby and so forth as well, so being able to find his niche in a, in a footballing world and being able to, you know, really uh, carve out a magnificent career that he has uh, from that and some of the great players that he's played with. Um, it'd be great to get his insight on some of those too. So thanks for joining us. Uh, also, I wanted to make mention that um, the Outback Mind podcast has been nominated for the Australian Men's Health Awards. Um, so if you'd like to vote for us, I'd really appreciate that. I don't know how, but uh, we're, we're there. And um, yeah, it's really, uh, really exciting. I'm not really big on awards and that sort of stuff, but it's really nice to get some um, some acknowledgement for what we're doing here. So if you'd like to vote, go on to the Australian Men's Health Forum website and you'll see a link there to the Australian Men's Health Awards and you'll see the Outback Mine as being one of the finalists or nominees. So if you could cast a vote, that'd be great. Thank you very much if you do, and if you don't, that's fine. So uh, appreciate your support either way. I uh, also wanted to make mention to our primary partners, Green Nutritionals, uh, who provides uh, the nation with uh, great organic superfoods. So please check out their products. It's, uh, it's an awesome thing that they do and really ethical and responsible organisation, which I love. So it's greennutritionals.com.au and also Pure Life Sprouted Bakery. They provide sprouted organic bread so much much better on our digestion than the traditional breads that we're eating in modern society that come off supermarket shelves and normal bakeries and so forth the sprouting's um so good for our gut health it actually just helps the, the processing of the food a lot uh, a lot better and also just helps our mental health because we're not as bloated as much so check out them uh purelife.com.au Alrighty, sit back, listen, listen to Jared and I going at it here. I reckon we're going to have a really awesome conversation and I appreciate your feedback after you had a listen. Jared Harbrow, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Really, uh, really grateful to have you on. Uh, loved your work and admired your, your journey um, uh, from sort of the TAC Cup, I remember when I was in Marupna, uh, you, you were sort of in that program and then you sort of got uh, taken by the dogs. Um, 
a bit later on uh, and it was really good to watch uh, you know your progress there being a Bulldog supporter myself and uh, obviously I know your family from Maroop. No, I don't know your dad, I can't remember your dad but I know the other Harbrows there and um, it's good to have a bit of a connection with uh, with a young guy that's going through the ropes there mate so yeah, really really uh, grateful to, uh, to, to you for spending, spending some time to have you act to me and talk to the listeners mate so good on you. Thank you, no worries. So, mate, uh, what we'll do is we'll just have a bit of a, a talk about your background and, you know, obviously growing up in Cairns and uh, how that all unfolded. And I'm really interested to see how you got into the AFL because it's obviously obviously such a, a rugby-dominated state up there. Um, or it is up, up up in Queensland, obviously, but uh, Cairns is quite, um, quite known for AFL and uh, there's lots of... Uh, Good players that have got there uh, from from the AFL system over the years and sort of uh, played. But uh, what encouraged you to, to take on uh, on footy over over rugby league, mate, or rugby union? Yeah, well, I think um, as you mentioned, uh, Cairns Cairns final of Queensland. I suppose Queensland as a state is is a lot more well known for its rugby league and rugby union pathways, and um, I think that's where my sort of Victorian um, Blood from my dad. Um, dad. Dad was born in Marupna, um, born and bred in Marupna. Um, and I think I'm pretty sure that's where we got our um, links to the AFL. Yeah. Um, and I remember Dad always watching AFL on the weekends um, and sort of growing up. Um, I think they, I remember they, they only showed the Brisbane Lions. Dad was a Carlton supporter from way back in the day. And then mm. because they showed a lot more, only they only showed Brisbane Lions on TV that's the only club they showed um, regularly each weekend. So he became a Brisbane Lions supporter. Mm. And yeah, my journey started on a Sunday morning. I followed my older brothers um, and cousins down to the local footy oval, um, South Cairns Cutters. And I think it was under nines at, at that stage. And I was seven years old. And I literally just went down to, down there to have a kick and see what it was all about. And um, I'm pretty sure I've, I've been, yeah, I've been hooked ever since. So it's been... Oh, I did play a lot of rugby league, um, touch footy, basketball, a range of different sports all throughout primary school and high school, um, but I always played um, AFL at rep level and for a club. I was always signed up to an AFL footy club through the juniors. So, Unreal. yeah, it was, it's, yeah, it was, I certainly enjoyed it. I remember in grade seven, um, there was an opportunity for me to represent um, Cairns in rugby league and oh, the peninsula area and... It was AFL or Rugby League, um, so I, I chose the AFL, obviously, because I was, had a bit more connection to that, um, and yeah, it was probably um, a good decision in the end, because it allowed me to, yeah, get a real taste for it and um, see how far I could get. Yeah, mate, it's obviously uh, been the right decision, so your dad's Russell, so he lived up in Cairns for quite a while before he went back down south? Yeah, he met mum up there, oh, years, he's been up. He's been up living in Cairns for um, over half his life. Yep. Um, so I'd, I'd say you'd call Cairns home now. And, yeah, I, I still I still can't really get it out of him why he tr- made the trek all the way up to up to far north Queensland from Marupna. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard of a couple of different versions, but it depends what day I'll get Dad on. He might, <laughs> <laughs> might, get, the, might get the truth out of him one day. It sounds like a um, hardbrow to me, mate. The other hardbrows that I know. So, uh, yeah, 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 just drifters. Yeah, That's a few it. drifters. No, nah, he, he was a bit of a, 
um, gypsy, I reckon. I think he did use that word back in the day. And, yeah, he was sort of a easy-going, free-spirit-type <laughs> free lad. So, yeah, Cairns, um, Cairns is home, and that's where we all grew up. And um, I finished high school off down in Maroopna as well To once I left, left Cairns to try and um, progress my footy uh, after um, the under-16s. We'll talk about Maroopna in a tick and what it was like for them, mate, but just growing up in Cairns and so forth, I've had a bit of time up there myself, and how was it for you as a young fellow? Did you experience you know, any racism or anything at all while you were there? No, not really. Um, yeah. I think no doubt racism sort of goes on everywhere, but Cairns, is a, um, there's a high population of Aboriginal Torres Strait Island people um, and all people from all different cultures. Mm. Um, so I grew up, I'm, I'm a proud Aboriginal um, man, um, my connections are Cookie Allenji and Neri Kanji um, on my mother's side, so mum's, mum's Indigenous and dad's not Indigenous mm. and my connection to my culture um, is, is, has always been very strong. Um, our traditional lands are Neri um, Kanji and Cookie Allenji which is the coastal strip uh, between Cairns and Port Douglas. Mm. Um, on my grandfather's side and um, on my grandmother's side, that's a bit further up north, which is Cookie Allenji. So fishing, hunting, camping, um, connecting to culture, connecting to country, all those things were just a part of my everyday sort of makeup growing up. And um, I suppose it's, it's a, it, and now playing footy, it gives me balance. It's, um, I, I still try and connect as much as I can um, to culture, to country. Um, because it's who I am, and um, yeah, it was just something that I did growing up as as a, as a young follower, and um, it's a it's a really important part of, of my life. Mm. We've we've talked about it, and obviously, uh, a big part of this podcast is to try and raise awareness for your culture. Um, we don't really understand as white men just how profound Indigenous culture is with regards to connection to the the, the land here, the universe. Uh, and the ability we've got to be able to utilise uh, Indigenous culture for our own healing, you know, some of the wisdom that, that's there that we haven't really explored, uh, we've sort of been swept away uh, into Western medicine primarily, but I've seen some terrific evidence from, from your culture on, on how it can actually really heal physically, but also mentally, from when, when a human gets out to nature, just how good it is for our mental health, would you agree? Yeah, well, before colonisation, um, Aboriginal people, um, they had their own law. Um, they had their own laws, um, customs, traditions, and there wasn't no sickness. There wasn't no... Um, you look at the sort of the statistics now around um, Indigenous versus non-Indigenous and health outcomes are, are, pretty, are pretty bad when it comes to comparing Indigenous and non-Indigenous. So... There's, there's, and and that's the thing. There's, it's so diverse. Every state, every, um, every tribal background, every language group. Um, there's over 500 different language groups within Australia, and each, each community you go to, um, is different to the other. Um, they may share um, similarities and um, similarities in languages and, and other stuff. But there's, there's so much culture out there that Aboriginal people have. Ha are still so connected with and it's yeah it's it's just a matter of um it's learning um continuing 
continuing education around the Indigenous culture. Um, and I think from my side of things, we've got really powerful leaders in government at the moment um, and they've been fighting for years and years to have a voice at, at to be a voice and be heard at parliament level. Um, so I think now how much longer is it going to take for these leaders to be actually be heard because there's always been sort of the argument about people assuming they know what's best for Aboriginal people. Um, but yeah, we should we should continue to have a say and have a voice um, and be that yeah be that be those leaders who sort of paved the way um, all these years and generations um, for us to be able to um, live a. Um, a nice and happy and safe life. So, I think it's it's time for non-indigenous to sort of meet halfway and um, really really allow um, the indigenous people um, of this country um, everything that they sort of deserve and been fighting for for a long time. Mm. I agree. Do you, does it frustrate you? I yeah yeah. Um, it frustrates me because it feels like. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders are continuing, continuing to beg just to be heard. Um, they're, they're begging for equal, for equality and, um, and better health outcomes, better educational outcomes, um, lower the incarceration rate, all these things. And they've been going on for years and decades and decades and, and it's still happening. Um, if the gap, I don't know what the exact statistics are at the moment, but I know there's still a, a huge gap and, we talk about reconciliation week as a, for a week to to shed light on these issues, but um, a lot of these things are still happening, and it's 2021. So, yeah. if for people on ground level like me, um, uh, trying um, to to sort of spread the message, and but if if the leaders who are in parliament can't even be heard, or, or they're not getting heard, then what hope do we do we still have? Yeah, I guess really. Jared, my, my observation is the work's got to be done at the coalface, like, like what you're doing. We, we, can't, we can't get too involved in what's going on outside of our um, environments because it does, it does frustrate us. I've worked in government. I've seen things that are, which I didn't agree with and I had to walk away. And unfortunately, I just think, you know, as, as we've, we discussed earlier, I just, I just think that you guys have got such a, a tremendous gift to be able to help people uh, which need the help now and um, and what's happened over the last 12 months is being able to draw draw more awareness to that you know maybe what we've been doing isn't the right way maybe uh, changing our, our, our direction back to more indigenous ways is probably um, uh, you know a, a wiser option because those innate knowings of indigenous Australia indigenous America um, you know, Southeast Asian countries and so forth, which have the ability to be able to be connected to the land and connected to their their own spirit uh, is so much more profound than sort of being too dominated by what's going on in the mind and all the trials and tribulations that we sort of see in modern society today. Yeah, and the greatest example of that um, is, I think, is the, the New Zealand um, and, and the treaty that New Zealand Maori people um, formed um, way back um, at the start, and a really good example of that is is, is the haka that they do. That's that's shown to that's learnt and taught in schools um, at a young age, regardless of if you're a, tra um, a traditional person or non or non traditional. 
um, that's something that the whole country is proud of. And when I reflect on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island culture, I want non-Indigenous people to be proud of, of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island culture. And when they travel overseas, they 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 share great stories about how wonderful and how great the Indigenous Australian culture is. I want them to own it mm-hmm. and be and be super proud of it, and and tell people from um, who if they're overseas. Tell them how great it is and how proud we are of our people, and want them to embrace it as much as as much as we do, and other countries have done in the past. Yeah, absolutely. It's the biggest tourism draw card that Australia's got that hasn't been tapped into. You know, I've been saying that for a long time, and I was lucky, Jared. I had a role. Um, I worked up in Cairns while I was based in Tassie a few years ago, and I actually worked through Indigenous communities all through the top end, uh, all the way through to sort of Karatha WA and through the NT and the islands and so forth. So I got to go to uh, communities where it was very raw, you know, they were still living quite traditionally there. And um, I had to, you know, be welcomed in, welcomed in by the, uh, the, the elders and all that sort of stuff in some locations. And mate, it was, it was so, so grounding for me to be able to go and experience that. And, and I was brought up, just getting off track a bit, I was brought up in country Victoria where we had a reasonably um, uh, strong Koori culture there. And uh, the Koori culture was pretty well destroyed by alcohol. And, and I was sort of amongst mm-hmm. that when I was a young guy playing cricket and we had these Indigenous men playing there and, and they were, you know, constantly coming in drunk and all those sorts of things. And and, and the racism was was quite, quite strong um, within my upbringing in the 70s and 80s. And I sort of knew back then. I thought this is not right. Why are we Why are we behaving like this? And why are we treating people like these people like this? And and unfortunately, I just saw these these guys um, losing hope. You know, tremendous tremendous athletes like yourself that had the ability to be able to go further, but they just got like you know wound down by the the constant bartering, or the the constant um, criticism. And the you know the banter of being a black man and how they weren't uh, they weren't they weren't good enough and um, uh, you know geez mate I, I really I really uh, I have a lot of sympathy for your people uh, but you know you're so lucky now to be where you are you know 30 40 years later um, compared to what these guys were back then yeah it's it's that's that's all that's always. Um... The sad part about it is when you do talk to talk to people about Aboriginal people, it, it is that stereotype of um, drugs and alcohol is a part of the culture, mm. um, and it's it's sad because that's not that's not in our culture at all. Our culture is our culture is about fishing, hunting, gathering, and all that traditional co- uh, customs and traditions. Um, it's not that, and. Um, I just yeah I, I like to lean more towards about celebrating what's what's absolutely amazing about um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture um, because there's unbelievable role models out there um, and there's a lot of really good stuff happening um, that we just need to um, hear more about. Um, it's we hear about the bad things um, uh, about the which is terrible about the deaths in custody mm. um, and all these types of things, but. Yeah, we, we need to start absolutely celebrating um, the the culture a lot more. Uh, I think as a country and and being super proud of it because yeah, as I said, there's there's unbelievable role models out there and people and businesses um, from CEOs and the volunteers who are in, who are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who who are out there 
um, working just as hard, um, if not harder, um, to try and, yeah, to get rid of all those bad stereotypes um, that surrounds our people. Yep, yep. Here, here, mate. That's that's really, really terrific. Um, mate, um, the, the stereotypes are slightly changing. There's no doubt about that, but there's, there's still a lot more awareness to, to, to be done. Now, you touched on a few things there, fishing, uh, all that type of stuff. When the human is out of their mind and connected with nature, then they're back to their pure self again. I really believe that. And because we're living in such built environments, like you're living in mermaid waters and people that are living in Sydney and, you know, sitting under fluoro lights and, and being denatured consistently, this is where the mental health problems are starting to, to, to occur. So you look at uh, some of your brothers that have uh, been incarcerated. Why isn't the prison system actually doing what it can to reconnect them to their culture while they're incarcerated so they can come out a different person rather than being punished yeah i'm um i'm certainly no expert when it comes to um sort of the prison system and the justice system system and what goes on um in those in those prisons and um prison is about reforming and trying to rehab um rehabilitate sort of um the, the people who go in there to 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 change them to so they come out and make better choices um, in in anything that they do. So um, yeah, I, and I'm sure you know what I'm sure there's actual there's prisons out there who who are doing a really great job for it for um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, and and it may be getting them connected more to their culture because um, I know from my personal experience, me connecting to my culture. Um, gives me um, my greatest balance um, mm. that I need to keep me mentally um, stable. Um, I, I go out fishing um, or hunting um, and I just come back a lot more refreshed and a better, um, just a better person um, altogether. So, mm. yeah, I'm not too sure exactly what goes on, but, yeah, definitely connecting um, connecting people. And that's the thing. Like some, some people grow up not knowing um, too much about their culture, which is which is completely fine as well. Um, we're not all going to know the ins and outs of, about our culture. Um, obviously, a lot of um, Indigenous families um, lost culture a long time ago. It was forcefully removed um, from them, so they, they don't they don't grow up with a cultural identity or a cultural background because they lost their language, they lost their traditions and customs. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you, yeah not everyone's going to know about their about their cultural background so what it looks like for someone like me who needs to connect to land um is different to someone who who's never grown up connected to land um so it's certainly about it's it's about sort of the individual um and and what works for them but i I just I, i think just having a good routine um talking to people about your mental health and um and certainly trying to find positives as best as you can is, is yeah, is, is, that's certainly um, my mindset. And finding what works for you, um, talking to people about stuff, I think that's that's certainly um, where we can all um, definitely get better at. And everyone's individual, so, yeah, it's sort of hard to speak on behalf of other people. But, yeah, having that chat about what works for you and, and trying to find a really good balance in life is is absolutely paramount yeah agree that, that the structure and routine is so important and um you know a couple of things that come to me then like you, you're very lucky to have a, a culture to be connected to because a lot of 
a lot of guys in modern society sort of don't really know their heritage and don't really know their, 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 their roots primarily. And that can be quite confusing for us. And that's when we sort of, you know, lose, lose touch with us ourselves. And, um, yeah, so you, 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 you're really fortunate to be able to sort of go back and do the things that, that give you that sort of, uh, purpose and connection as well, mate. Um, I want to talk now about uh, what it was like when you went down to Marubna coming from like a warm environment into a cold environment and, and how you felt yeah. uh, like living in, a, in a, an environment that you hadn't actually been in before, meeting new people. And um, was your dad there at the time or was he still up north? Yeah. Yeah, mum and dad. I was, um, so the decision to move down to Victoria um, was... There was sort of there was the option to move to Brisbane, um, to to stay involved in AFL in in AFL Queensland and go through the pathways through um, AFL Queensland, or uh, and the other option was to head down to Marupna, um, Dad's hometown, to to have a go in the TAC Cup and um, the Murray Bush Rangers is is um, the team in that area in the Golden Valley, and Dad knew about the TAC Cup, and I completely just put all my faith. Faith in Dad, um, because he obviously knew about the TAC Cup, the Victoria, and, and how how to sort of go about it. And his his mum at the time um, was a bit crook, so um, yeah, I know he wanted to get back down there to be there to support her. And um, yeah, yeah, there was no no guarantees. Um, I do remember people saying at the time, "There's a thousand Jared Harbrows down in Victoria. Um, he won't make it. Um, he should just stick to something." You should stick to Queensland, go through the talent pathways, um, but they're just sort of decisions you've just got to make. Um, and I put my faith in Dad. Um, I made the under 16 Queensland state team at the time and played in the nationals. Um, so my footy was progressing along pretty well. And yeah, we just we we made the phone call to to try and connect up to the TAC Cup and go there for one of the tryouts during the preseason. Um, start a new school at Maroubra Secondary College start a new footy club um, but I think that's the great thing about footy it's um, you're going to connect really well at school so I had to go to school I didn't obviously didn't know anyone down there um, start a new school they knew I, I played a bit of footy so I started making friends that way and the social aspect was good um, but my main focus was there to be to to support dad and his and uh, and my grandmother and and try and give footy the best possible crack so I knew I didn't want to waste waste anyone's time i was down there sort of on a mission um i finished year 11 and 12 off and made the under under 18 fit country team um and just through pure hard work uh, making the right decisions critical decisions when i was 17 and 18 years old um that i that i'm forever grateful for and they had, had good coaches good school teachers and people down there who who looked after me and um and it took me a while, definitely took me a while to get used to the cold. But mm. I remember when we first went down there to find some work, we went out and um, done some fruit picking, um, which I struggled at. But <laughs> yeah. it was it was it was a good experience. It was it was pretty fun, um, and just to make some money, just just so just for that first initial move before uh, mum and dad found a job. So. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Oh, mum and dad, everything. They they um, took the risk and, and, and took me down there as well and, and gave me my best possible chance. Jeez, mate. So you, you come to a good club in Marubna and we, we, we touched on that too. They haven't won a flag for, for a long time. So 
might be something yeah. to do when you when you retire, perhaps go back. But um, I just want to know, mate, what does it take for a young man at that at that age and that level to be so determined where you you work so hard to give yourself the best opportunity? What was it like, and what were you doing at the time to actually put yourself in a position where you could have got drafted? Uh, I think the, the biggest one for me was um, was I didn't I didn't go to uh, I went to parties but I didn't drink any alcohol at the ages of 16, 17 and 18. Mm. I I went to parties and I was sort of known for um, eating salt and vinegar chips and do you remember the Mr D's? Yeah, the drink yeah, down yeah, there? from from yeah. yeah, that's it. Duckets, duckets, uh, unbe- didn't they? Duckets. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's them. That was unbelievable. So. <laughs> People sort of knew me, knew me as oh the the kid who um, ate salt and chips and Mr D's at parties. He didn't drink, so <laughs> um, so by not drinking it, I would go to parties, still enjoy my time, but I'd still be able to get up the next morning and, and train before school or um, not waste a day. I don't reckon I, I waste too many days down there. Um, as I said, I was there on a mission, but a lot of it does come down to your decision making um, and I think at that age high school year 10 11 12 you can really um, there's definitely times where you're going to be faced with so much so many sort of little decisions on 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 going to parties and and mixing with the wrong crowd and, and making poor choices but mm-hmm. my choice was to not waste anyone's time and and I was down there to to try and further my footballing career so mm-hmm. Um, I had a goal, um, a big goal in mind, which was to try and get picked up. But I set a lot of small goals along the way as well, and and little goals to just make sure I got up and went training after I went to a party or a night out um, the next morning. Um, I do this religiously. Um, I think I've always had a high work rate. I didn't. I didn't. I was. I'm a self starter. I don't really need anyone to tell me to get up and go to training. Um, I. Just the mental side of things. Um, I was oh, not the fittest player, um, certainly not the strongest, one of the skinniest. Um, but the men- mental side to be able to to go to training and, and train harder than anyone else, I think, no doubt, that's that's got me to where I am today. And um, and just being a really good person, being a respectful respectful person with a good attitude, um, that's another a huge value that I um, <coughs> that I that I um, think that's it's 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 certainly important for me and i and i still have those values of respect attitude and um and manners Mm. that's something that i still carry um to with me um to this day yeah mate you're so you're so blessed to be able to be a young man to have that self-awareness you know to, to to put yourself in that position and back then it was probably not as common as what it is now guys know the pathway they know what they're going to do but you probably one out of the box. I saw many, many young fellows like yourself that had the potential, but they didn't have the discipline. So to have that discipline is, is tremendous, mate. So you really should be proud of yourself for that. Now, we're going to talk about you went into the, the Bulldog system and uh, some of the, the you know, experiences you had there. But um, what was it like as a, as a young fellow sort of walking into, uh, into a club like that, which was sort of reasonably successful, but hadn't sort of, you know, achieved a lot Um um, you know, over the over the journey and uh, meeting some of the players that you would have met, like Luke Darcy and and the likes that were pretty mm-hmm. high high um, high achievers, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I was oh, to this day. I'm I'm so lucky and thankful for the Western Bulldogs for the full opportunity they gave me. Um, 
yucks, sort of any player or any potential draftee, um, you're happy to go to any club um, and get picked up as long as you sort of just get there. But I was, I was so fortunate and lucky to go to a football club like the Western Bulldogs. Um, I was What helped my sort of transition was I got drafted alongside four other um, Indigenous boys as well. Um, there's a couple of boys from WA, one boy from who got drafted from the NT mm-hmm. and we became really good mates and pushed each other and kept this sort of each other accountable but yeah I was I was a rookie so I didn't go in the national draft um, I missed out of the national draft and I got picked up in the second round um, mm-hmm. of the rookie draft so um, I certainly knew I was only on a con- uh, one-year contract and I had to work extra hard to to be able to because um, back then rookies weren't allowed to play Mm-hmm. Um, unless there was a long-term injury mm-hmm. um, and then a bit of luck actually um, unfortunate for for the other guys but um, Chris Grant I've come up it's funny I've, I played with Chris Grant and he's he was he was one of the greatest players for the Western Bulldogs so I was lucky enough to play with Chris Grant for for a um, couple of games in my first year mm-hmm. um, he got put onto the long-term injury list and um, at that stage, you were allowed to. The club were allowed to promote a rookie, so they promoted me first, um, and then Brett Montgomery uh, retired. So then, when Chris Grant came back onto the senior list, Brett Montgomery retired. So there was a spot, an open spot um, for me to take, and then they promoted me, and I ended up debuting, uh, making my debut in round uh, four on a Friday night against MCG in 2007. So. Mm. Bit of luck uh, fell my way, but yeah, I, I had to prove myself. I got a, I got a game before any of the the draftees in my year, um, and just pure hard work. Oh yeah, it was just sort of I didn't <laughs> I knew I had to learn um, learn the ropes. I, I was I was really quiet. I just sat back and observed a lot, and mm-hmm. so thankful to, to to be able to train next to guys like um, Daniel Cross, Matthew Boyd. Bob Murphy, Scott West, Brad Johnson, um, all those lads. I, I just soaked everything up. They probably didn't realise, but um, they've had a massive um, influence on my career because I, I, I watched them, I studied them, and, um, yeah, I wanted to be um, hard workers like those guys, and they're really good people too. So, mm. um, yeah, no matter who I talk to, I always say I'm very thankful for the Western Bulldogs for giving me that opportunity. Yeah, geez, mate. I was having goosebumps, you know, while you were saying all that. And um, I, I really, I just think as a young man, like being able to be uh, in a position like that, but also to have the awareness, as I mentioned before, to realise that you've got that small window of opportunity as a rookie. And so many, so many players have come through that system where they've just gone on by a, you know, a, uh, by a thread onto a list and, and made the most of it and really that that is that is um, the, the type of individual that uh, I suppose every club really wants and needs the ones that work hard and um, and you know you can take that into any discipline because you've already got that level of um, of self awareness through you know pushing your body which helps your mind become stronger and you you have focus and I just think that's that's really really important mate but. Um, Obviously, getting uh, getting ahead a little bit and coming into the Gold Coast now, one of the hardest workers that I've ever seen is Gary Ablett. 
Uh, and um, I always, well, I went through a bit of a journey myself with regards to fitness. And around that same time, I was really watching Gary Ablett, what he was doing. And I was sort of thinking, geez, I can, I can do what he's doing um, as far as, you know, reps and strength work and all that type of stuff. And I wanted to like use him as a bit of a role model for me, even though I was, I'd never met the man or just sort of saw him from afar. But his work ethic really appealed to me. How did you find it was uh, when you went into a club like that and observed a guy uh, at a high level, such as Gary. Yeah, so when the Suns first started up, um, I got drafted. I oh, not drafted. I got. Um, I went there as one of the uncontracted players, eight uncontracted players, and, and Gaz was one of them. Um, Nathan Bock, Campbell Brown, um, Nathan Cracker. Yeah, there's a few other lads um, who was there as well. And obviously, Gaz was. I was 22, I think, when I when I left the Bulldogs. I was there for four years. And I started up at the Suns um, in the fifth year of AFL. So, and I was 22. Gary was, I think he was only, he was still 26, I think he was, mm. 26. So he was still um, pretty pretty young and in the middle of his career as well. Um, and you played against him a few times um, when Geelong, uh, when the Dogs played Geelong and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, just being able to watch him up and close, um, you sort of get a new respect for him, um, mm. I think. Gaz is just really good at looking after himself and he knew what he um, needed to do to get up for, for a game mm-hmm. and, and, and to train. Um, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's old, uh, you'd call him like the, the ultimate professional. He, he just, yeah, he knew his body, he knew his game, but he just, oh, he just done the little things so well, just basics. I know you, you talk about doing the basics well and the little things all add up, but just simple things about like, just hitting your simple handballs at training and, and just kicking a, a good drop punt and making sure it's spinning properly. Um, all of those little small things, he, he, he stood out and, and he brought that game day. He didn't do anything. Um, he was able to do all those great things that we that he's really well known for, but that's just sort of off the back of just doing the basics well and he'd practice it um, a lot. And any advice to any, uh, any young lad coming through is just, you can never do enough of the basics of just mm. simple kicking, marking, handballing, ground balls. Mm. Um, and he done it so well. And um, a lot of players um, sort of um, did learn off him. And um, and there's no wonder why he'll go down as one of the yeah, best players in, 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 the, in the history. Yeah, I just really was really interested at that period of time on core strength. And I just see saw him as someone that had tremendous core strength. He couldn't be knocked over. I was watching... What he was doing in the gym, I got some footage and he was doing lots of work with ropes and that to help his stabilisation. And um, you could see that was evident on the field because he was just so uh, pivotal and, and being able to be balanced consistently. And uh, another player that you probably um, would have had uh, some exposure to was Acker. And, and Acker was probably quite similar, uh, I noticed. Um, he mm-hmm. played down in Glenorchy and Tassie uh, for a while after he came out of the system. But um, did, you, did you play a bit with him as well? Yeah, so Acker came the same year as I got drafted, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, I think he started at the Bulldogs in 2007, which is the, the, my first year there. And he's still to this day um, probably still one of the most skillfulest players I've ever um, played with mm. or played against and and, um, and played with. He's the best kick on both sides um, of, of, his, of his body. Um, some of his highlight clips of when he's kicking goals when he's at the Lions. Um, mm. From left foot, 
from about 50, 55 out on the run was like unbelievable, and you rarely see that these days. But he was, he was just, yeah, he was another one who, who knew exactly where to put his body, um, how to read the contest, um, and then his natural ability and skills came to show. Um, so yeah, he was still to this day one of the most skillfulest players um, I've ever played with, and and a good person too. I remember. I remember he's one of the first senior players when I got to the Dogs that invited myself and the other Indigenous boys along to his house um, for dinner with his family, mm. um, and uh, and he, he he was he was happy to show us all his Brownlow, his Brownlow <laughs> and his yeah. and his um, BNF wins and and flags uh, and premiership medallions and stuff like that. But yeah, he was the first one to sort of go out go out of his way to invite us boys along to his house and meet his um, met his family and stuff, which I thought was great. Yeah, absolutely. We only see the silly side, don't we? But there's all this stuff going on underneath that uh, with the real human and what what um, what they're made of, you know. And that's that's tremendous. Um, yeah, I've always admired him in many ways. Um, but mate, um, I just you know with, without sort of uh, going into too much detail, like throughout your career and sort of into the Gold Coast, and that what are the real highlights that have stood out for you with regards to you know your own achievements, but also the the things that have really um, being pivotal with regards to what you what you observe with collaboration with, with other people and some of the, the the players that you've actually been around and what you've been able to learn from them. There's a lot. There's oh, um, like I mentioned just a bit earlier, just about I always sat back and observed a lot. I was a big observer. Um, I'd never I'd never be at the front um, barking orders, um, but I think just Oh, um, just just learning as much as I can. Like as I said, from school teachers, teammates, coaches, um, just family members. There's I've I've been able to um, sort of surround myself with a lot of really good people, and I've had a lot of help um, along the way. And just yeah, just just so thankful for the opportunity that that I think my family gave me. Um, and the opportunities and pathways that I've been able to explore and, and just what the game of AFL has given me and my family in general. So, um, yeah, saying I've been able to play football for 15 years um, is, is, is definitely something I'm very proud of. Mm. Um, and um, being able to put on the Western Bulldogs jumper, um, being able to put on the Suns jumper, um, there's been, yeah, plenty sort of little milestones along the way. I've played over 250 games, um, life member of the Suns, just just all those little things along the way. But um, for me, I've always been proud of the impact that I've been able to have on others. And if, I, if I've been able to, I don't know, leave the Western Bulldogs in a good place, um, when I finish at the Suns, leave the Suns in a better place than when I found it, uh, have I helped? Mm. have I helped people who are volunteers at the club um have i helped teammates become better people better players um that's sort of something that i i i, I want to be known for is being able to to give back um and and help shape someone else's life um that's sort of what i, I would like to be sort of remembered as and mm. um and i sort of know no different i i just do it because that's just my makeup and and who i am um, and I think I'll continue to do that for the rest of my life. Mate, you're probably one of the only original people that are still involved there. Would there be anyone else, uh, like officials or, or players? Uh, there's a couple of players. There's, there's Dave Swallow. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. 
they swallow Rory Thompson and Sam Day with only four players remaining. Um, oh, I thought you were the only one. In terms of, yeah, in yeah. terms of coaching, our coaches and staff, um, no, nah, I don't think there is, nah. Mm. There's, there's, some, there's some guys in the admin um, upstairs um, who, who've been there from the start. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's only a, um, a handful. So I've seen, yeah, I've seen the whole place change. Yeah, there's been a lot of change. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of excitement. I, I love going to Carrara and watching a few games when we come up on holidays, mate, and um, really enjoyed, you know, watching you go about it. And my, my kids would be uh, really rapt to hear this uh, once I've, I've got it out there. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really yeah. grateful for that. Now, mate, just with regards to mental health on the journey, um, what have you seen with regards to, to issues in players? And you know, we only, we're in much of, uh, so much a better place now than what we were when you started as a player yourself. Yeah, there's there's a lot um, there's a lot more awareness around mental health now, and um, and it's just great that it's we can feel free to speak up about it because it's yeah it's, it's probably still the number one issue um, when it comes to. Um, AFL players and I think probably in sports and different codes in general um, there's a lot especially at the highest level where there's a lot of responsibility there's um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that come with our job that we um, that we have to be on day in day out and um, yeah for, for me it's, it's just about getting that balance right because it could be something to do with with team selection, or you're not, or you get injuries, and um, your your career can get cut short, or anything. We've all got obviously our own individual circumstances, but looking after your mental health, I think should be should definitely be number one. And and what that looks like for you, uh, for for different people, is 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 different. But yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of players suffer um, with mental health issues. Um, just because they they felt like they just put everything into their football and and there was nothing else um, to fall to fall back on, yeah. Um, and yeah, if I think the good thing about especially about a footy club, you oh, every single person there at the football club is there to help you. When you really think about it, there everyone there from coaches, physios, doctors, um, support staff, everyone's there to to help you. Um, I don't reckon if you go to someone, they're going to turn you away. Um, so every single person at a football club, um, I'm just talking from my own experience, um, they're there to help you to become a better footballer and a better person. Um, that's something that I've always, I've learnt along the way. Um, and as footballers, um, we've, we've definitely got to be proactive about it as well. We have to ask more questions and, and source people out because they're definitely there to help you. Um, and, and, and we have to be better at being proactive and getting on the front foot with these types of things because, yeah, as um, you can't just let things bottle up, it, it gets too hard. You sort of time doesn't wait for no one, and and you you feel like there's you got so much on your plate. But if you're able to just have that on honest honest conversation and, and get it off your chest early and and work out a strategy, then I think that's that's so important. And you and that's that's the great thing about just being in a, in a, in a really good environment because um, that environment allows you to speak up and encourages encourages you to to have those conversations. Mm. Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, yeah. You're so right. You you think about um, 
what we discussed before about you know the the indigenous young men that I observed uh, when I was a young fella and uh, and them being in the system like just how far advanced it is now uh, compared to what it was back then so we're in a really opportune time and, and I just think you know now now is a, a pivotal time to be able to create more awareness of your culture and, and the healing modalities and so forth that go along with that to help our mental health so it's a really good um a good uh, moment that we've had this this conversation to be able to raise awareness about that, Jared. You know, so um, I want to know also what's next for you. This might be your last year. What are you hoping to do from from here on in? Uh, I've yeah, I've been I've been chipping away at a lot of things over the years. Um, I'm heavily involved in the um, in the footy clubs community department. Um, so I've. Sorry, um, I've been helping them out um, with their um, try and help coordinate their indigenous programs, um, but then just basically helping the whole football club in general wherever wherever I can. So um, I'll continue to do that and support the footy club um, in some way post um, post my career. But myself and my brother, um, we have a business um, as well. It's called Harbour Mentoring. Mm. Um, it's three key pillars: are leadership, mentoring, and sports, and um, the bulk of it is, is up in Cairns in Far North Queensland. Um, it's my brother Mark started it, founded Harbour Mentoring back in 2011, actually working as a development officer for AFL Cairns and mm-hmm. AFL Cape York. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his job um, required him to travel up throughout all those communities um, in Far North and up to the tip, um, up to Bamaga and the Torres Straits and, and everywhere in between. So. Yeah. He started Harbour Mentoring by running um, school holiday programs um, during school holidays, and and over the years he he sort of expanded and um, and he's been full time with Harbour Mentoring the last year and a half to two years now. And yeah, mate. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, myself and my brother run a Harbour Mentoring. Um, that's our own own business. Um, our th- we keep leadership mentoring in sports, and um, a lot of it is about community outreach programs, um, working with youth, uh, community engagement stuff, leadership programs, mentoring programs, um, and basically it's just about trying to give young people. Um, the tools and skills to just become the the best people they possibly can be, and um, we run a whole heap of different um, programs and workshops um, off the back of that. And the bulk of it is is in Cairns in Far North Queensland. That my brother and um, we've got some staff that 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 run it, and um, he's been full time for a couple of years now. And um, I suppose uh, my role here on the Gold Coast first started with Harbour Mentoring. Um, was working with uh, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander boys in the academy. So the Gold Coast Suns have got their academy and um, I ran um, eight-week leadership and professional development programs for the the Indigenous um, players in our academy. A lot of them travelled down um, and relocated um, from their communities in, in, from around the country, but mostly in far north in the Torres Strait and they come down to a place like the Gold Coast. So I ran programs and... Um, to try and help with their transition and, and made them feel um, as comfortable as possible down here on the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, I also I do, I do uh, community work and um, other community engagement stuff and, and leadership and mentoring programs in, in schools down here on the Gold Coast. So 
I've certainly been um, be involved um, with Harbour mentoring post my career, um, and, it's, and and the football part has been really great for me in this last year to um, to help me um, continue more work, and um, they've been really flexible with my training times to be able to allow me to help um, um, expand um, the business here on the Gold Coast, and yeah, um, not long left now in, in the footy season, so um, I certainly wanted to. Uh, work as hard as I can um, could in this last year to be able to set me up for for when I transition. So, mm. um, and but obviously keep more of my options open. Um, that's all. Harbour Mentor is always uh, is going to be there, but I'm I'm, I'm certainly um, keeping all my options open and and whatever that looks like. Um, then yeah, we'll we'll sort of sort of talk about it and deal with it um, when the time comes. Have you got a vision to to grow it outside the state? Do you want to try and keep it in Queensland? Nah, there's um, the work we do. Um, we can we can take it anywhere um, because the the life lessons and and the stuff that we 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 like to teach, um, yeah, a lot of people um, can do with it um, because it's a, it's a lot about um, decision making and 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 keeping healthy and active lifestyles and all those types of things. So it can certainly be taken anywhere and um, just just for the time being um, in Queensland um, and. Yeah, whatever the future sort of looks like, we'll yeah we'll we'll attack that head on uh, when the time comes. Mm, mate, yeah. Uh, look, Jared, really, really grateful to hear that you've you've had such a uh, an amazing journey to, to to get to where you are now as a thirty three year old. And I don't believe, well, I, I believe that the best for you is yet to come. What you've been able to uh, achieve through football is just a platform for you to be able to grow. Um, your life now and also be able to help so so many people out there from what you've experienced as an individual and to be able to give some some real connection to culture and, and help people uh, white man or people from other races to be able to be aware of the, the gift that you guys uh, have got to teach us all so mate I'm, I'm really really grateful for your time to be able to chat to us about that and this this podcast goes out to you know all states and territories throughout regional Australia and um, lots of guys are jumping on board listening, so I'm sure there's plenty of people that will get a lot from our conversation, mate, and uh, yeah, I thank you for that. No worries, Aaron. Thank you very much, mate. And, um, yeah, um, love, love the work that you're doing, so um, always here uh, for a chat, and um, and for any listeners out there as well, uh, feel free to, to, to reach out if, if you're going through any troubles, and certainly um, don't be afraid to, to speak up and look after your, your mental health. They could do that through Harbrow Mentoring, mate. They could touch base with you through that. Yeah, certainly. Um, that we've got a Harbrow Mentoring website. We're on Facebook, Instagram. So, yeah, feel free to reach out. Cool. Appreciate it. Guys, thank you very much for listening to Jared and I. It was yeah, just such a pleasure to have him on to talk about his career. He's obviously had really good mental health. Hey? He's had a, a great structure to be able to follow um, his whole life and had some good supports around him and... Uh, we, we talked uh, just now about uh, a lot of guys, um, you know, from his culture that have played AFL that haven't had it so so good. And um, I think there'll be more more people coming on uh, to this podcast uh, to talk about their own journeys um, that, that, that may have struggled from time to time and, um, um, you know, the value that uh, that, that can um, give to others that may be experiencing the same thing is, is really valuable. So... Um, more uh, more good conversations to come 
Appreciate uh, your feedback. Please, uh, if you want to email me, support at outbackmind.com.au, uh, website outbackmind.com.au. And if you could please jump on the Australian Men's Health Forum site and, and make a vote for the podcast, uh, that'd be great. I've never been, um, never been, uh, I suppose, awarded for anything or, or nominated for anything. So <laughs> it's really weird to, to have, uh, have this pop up. But anyway, we'll see how it goes. Thanks for your time, guys. Thanks for joining in. Hope you can uh, share this with a few people that may help. Cheers.